0: everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Happy Monday. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily. Interested to hear Chris's perspective over what's going on uh, with the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. We'll hear what he has to say about that. Also, some other NBA stuff out there. Uh, There's talk about a 25-day ramp-up plan that the NBA would use if they were given the go-ahead to try and pursue some sort of conclusion to the season. I found that uh, interesting as well.
0: Yeah, I we've wondered how long it would take uh, to to get everything ready because you want it to be ready. You can't just. Can you imagine if everybody just threw everybody back on the court again, Jake.
2: Well, it wouldn't work. I mean, people people would get hurt. You know, they, yeah. they, you can't just stay at home for a couple of months and then just be right ready to go back into the NBA. So,
0: and and even for these these primo athletes, who I imagine. I, I would guess most of them are staying in good shape, wouldn't you? I mean, you think they're just sitting around eating tacos all day? And not, then...
2: not necessarily, but you've talked about this all the time. Certainly, a difference between NBA shape and good shape, right?
0: Uh, what's that? You broke up on me. What'd you say?
2: Difference between NBA shape and good shape. In fact, let's ask let's ask yeah. Chris about this. Uh, yeah. Austin, hit it.
1: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 975 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Daily assist
2: brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, now offering their furnace checkup for only fifty nine bucks. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801 747 Lee's or online at LeesHeatac.com. Out of the Sprint Special guest line we go. Uh, we make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From Sports Illustrated, our good friend Chris Mannix. Chris, how are you? Hopefully you had a half uh, Easter
3: Uh, I did I ate pizza and ice cream and
0: that was my Easter quite the uh, quite the eventful holiday
2: good for you that sounds awesome actually
0: (laughs) I bet you were I bet you were enjoying uh, all that horse uh, activity going on Huh? did not watch a second of it um,
3: I just was watching a movie and I was on Twitter and I see all the people just destroying it. So uh, I'm glad I, I missed out. I think I saw J.J. Redick say something like, I watched five minutes hard pass and that was enough for, for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I had a little bit of the same. I mean, I guess, Gordon and I were talking about this earlier. I guess at least it's something, but it certainly isn't enough to satisfy or, or scratch that basketball itch.
3: Yeah, I mean... I think, look, they've been showing a lot of old games, um, classic games, like they're doing again tonight with uh, Kobe Bryant's final game on NBA TV. I'd love to see like just rather than players playing horse, like you know, how about we get like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, you know, commenting on Game Six of the 2015, what, 16, whatever it was, uh, Conference Finals against Golden against the uh, uh, Oklahoma City, you know, and get Russell Westbrook and. Kevin Durant on the same thing, just sort of talking about how all that went down. Find some like really good games of the last you know twenty, thirty years, and get people involved, you know, as kind of commentators on it in, in separate boxes. I think there, there are ways to be creative and give an audience something they're interested in, rather than you know horrible, horribly connected, you know, cell phone videos that that just look like they're done in, in the worst possible way.
0: I'm trying to decide whether all this stuff, whether it's old games or whether it's horse competition or whether, if it makes it better or worse, Chris, you know, because it's just sort of, it's like almost scratching an itch where you scratch it once and then itch is even more, you know? I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, that that's, it's
3: fair. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a, a second of, of sports TV in the last month. I mean, I, I've been, you know, doing some reporting for stuff that I've been writing, but you know, whether it's ESPN or NBA TV, I mean, there's really not a lot I'm going to glean off it, and and I don't need to hear from too many ex-players kind of pontificating on certain things. I mean, it's just this no games, so I don't really have a, a ton of interest in in what's going on. I think that speaks to the larger fan base that's that's largely out there when it comes to to television. Like you just is not going to tune in for for a lot of stuff until these games come back.
2: Well, speaking of that, there's a report from ESPN, uh, Brian Windhorst, I believe, that the NBA is working on a 25 day ramp up period. That that's kind of what it would take to get back to playing games again. What are your thoughts on that? Because Gordon and I were just talking about it. It's not like you can go from quarantine to playing the next day. It's just impossible.
3: No, yeah, you're right. I've been writing about this for the last couple of weeks, and you know, I had Jared Dudley on my podcast recently, and he he, he thinks that players need. Anywhere from four to six weeks to get ready to play, and and he understood that was probably not going to happen. And I've talked to other players about this, but you know, three or four weeks is is, is what fits is what they think it, what they'll be okay with, and that lines up with with the reporting that's that's kind of publicly out there right now. I mean, it's the NBA, their owners know you can't just throw guys back out there. There's too much empirical evidence of of players getting injured when stuff like this happens, whether it's because of a lockout or any type of hiatus, um, you ramp up too quickly. And that's when you get ACL tears and Achilles tears and, and just things that could really change the course of a player's career and the and the, and the span of teams, too, like how they're able to perform in, in the coming years. So there's got to be some kind of – even if there is a ramp up, though, I mean, you're going to have players that are just not in any kind of condition. I mean, I, I was watching – actually, I shouldn't just watch I was on Twitter, and I saw – you know, a comment Jason Tatum made today where he said, you know, I haven't, he hasn't picked up a basketball in a, in a month. You so, know, I mean, I don't think he's alone in that regard. I mean, there's a lot of players out there that while they might be doing some conditioning stuff
0: at home, they're not doing
3: much of anything else. So when they come back, um, I don't think it's going to be very pretty at all.
0: Chris, uh, something that's been going on here in Utah that you're well aware of is the this uh, this dispute, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. He came out yesterday and said that yeah, we we went a while there without talking, but uh, we have been in touch with each other. Essentially, he said, "quote unquote," we're grown men who want to accomplish uh, winning a championship. Do you think this is something that can be worked out? Do you think it's likely to be worked out? Or do you think uh, this is something that could fester for a while yet to come?
3: No, I I think it can be worked out. Um, I know there was some reporting out there that it was beyond salvageable. I I don't really buy that that at all. I mean, I just – it's way too early to make that kind of of proclamation on all this. Um, You know, I I was one of the first to report that – that Mitchell was was furious with Gobert and and that you know I think in my story back in March I think I wrote that you know how Mitchell responds to this would make or break their relationship but I don't think we're at that point where we can draw any conclusions as to how Donald Mitchell responds I mean we are still you know just past the first month of all this these guys haven't gotten together as a team and communicated they haven't gotten back to playing and and done all that I mean there's there's just too much time that can go by, and too much can change in that period of time. Moreover, um, you know Mitchell's in that position where I mean he's not going to be going anywhere. I mean he's going to get a max contract offer, and in the history of of rookie contracts, there hasn't been a single player that's ever rejected a max contract offer. So he's going to be around, and I think it would have to take something catastrophic happening next year on the floor. For this team to pull the plug and ultimately trade Rudy Gobert. I mean, it would, I just can't see it. I can't envision that scenario. Um, it's not to say that they're destined to win a championship together, but I, I just don't see, you know, the, the, the Jazz giving up on this, especially when you consider the combined age of those two and, and just the level they play at. So I'm optimistic that this is going to be something that can be figured out.
2: What do you think uh, about their games fitting together overall uh, on the floor?
3: Well, I mean, they're they're. I, I don't think that they're the perfect match offensively. I mean, because I think Gobert is still fairly limited in that regard. But you know, when you have the game is played on both ends of the floor. I mean, when you have a guy that is as dominant defensively as Gobert, I mean, you don't need him to be uh, in lockstep with Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end of the floor. He's needed to do what he does defensively. You know, chip in on the offensive glass, post ups, you know, setting screens, things like that. Um, and you'll get by. So I, you know, I think they're they're very well matched to be cornerstone players for that team for years to come. I mean, when you when you look at that team, I mean, I've never had a feeling that you know Gobert and Mitchell were any were part of the problem, or like their their ability to do things together were part of the problem. And I mean, I think it's more about you got to add shooting around them, maybe a little more playmaking around them. We talked a lot during the season about Mike Conley and his evolution with that team. I think they're, they're what's right with the Jazz. And, and everything else, I think, just needs to be added onto to it.
0: Chris, do you think that uh, because of the way uh, contending teams in the NBA are built, and you, oftentimes they have two quote-unquote superstars that are leading that charge, are Gobert and Mitchell capable of becoming those kinds of players that are absolutely necessary in order to get to that point of contention?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Mitchell is... Uh, he just has that those qualities that he can be a, a superstar in this league. I think Gobert, at this stage of his career, you're kind of seeing what his peak is. Um, and it's still really good. It's all-star level. I just don't know if he's going to get... Significantly better. If you can get four more good years like this out of Rudy Gobert, you've got to be really happy uh, with what you have. Which does put a emphasis on making sure that whether it's through the draft or cherry picking the right guys in free agency, you you make the right choice, you add the right piece. I mean, I use the example of the Spurs all the time. I mean, you know, they were able to become the Spurs, you know, by drafting Tony Parker, a future uh, superstar. Late in the first round, drafting Manu Ginobili late in the second round. I mean, they they got lucky with Tim Duncan, no question, and Kawhi Leonard was one of those middle of the pack first round picks. But you know, in between, they they became what they became by by finding the right guys to work around them. So I think that's what's going to be paramount for the Jazz moving forward. You got two guys that you know maybe aren't going to be looked at as the best duo in the NBA, but if you put the right pieces around them, you're going to be successful.
2: What do you think about uh, Chicago's hire at uh, Vice President of Basketball Ops?
3: Oh, I like it a lot. I mean, anybody that knows the NBA knows that Arturis Konosobis has been um, a a top-of-the-list kind of executive candidate. I mean, the Nuggets elevated him to GM just last year, and and he's been really interested in in having this type of job, but he's interviewed, I think, as much as anybody uh, for these top jobs out there over the last couple of years. Um, He's a brilliant... International scout. I mean, he's got that reputation from his days as the head international scout with the Rockets. And if you look at the success the Nuggets have had with international players, from Yusef Nurkic, Nikola Jokic, uh, you can even count Jamal Murray technically in that category. But there have been others coming through that that organization. I mean, that's a lot of that is because of the eye uh, of our Terrence Caron So, yeah, I think it's a really good find. I mean, I think the the big question with him now is. What does he do with the head coach? And you know, Jim Boylan is there. I can't imagine Boylan staying. I mean, most executives want to bring in their own guy. And you know, it's not like Boylan set the world on fire the last couple of years with Chicago. Uh, I think Arturis has an opportunity to to really fast track this this rebuild in Chicago. I mean, Kenny Atkinson's still sitting out there. It's almost miraculous that Kenny Atkinson still doesn't have a job. But if you look at that Bulls roster, a lot of young players, uh, guys that badly need a developmental coach and. Kenny Atkinson might be the best in the NBA if you look at what he's done in Brooklyn over the last three years. So, you know, if Arturis is smart, you know, he'll snap up Kenny Atkinson. And and that team, you know, you can be talking about that team in the playoffs as early as next season.
0: Chris, how important is it for a league like the NBA to have teams in its biggest markets be successful? The Lakers have been successful off and on for years and years. You know, how important is it for Chicago to be like that for New, well, New York? I mean. Please, but I mean, yeah. how how important is it for these teams to be really good? You know, it, it's not as important as it used to be. I mean, in the '80s and '90s, certainly wanted
3: to have uh, you know Bulls, Lakers, Celtics, those those marquee kind of original teams in those big markets playing at a high level. But you know, what's played out over the last you know ten fifteen years is that the stars are what matter. I mean. Teams tuned in to watch Oklahoma City because Durant and Westbrook were there. Cleveland are some of the highest ratings, you know, in the league because of LeBron. Miami, not a major market, but you know they they were a ratings draw because the the players that were down there. I, I just I think it's 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 more important individually. I would say that New York is not a stock. I mean, it, the, the Knicks, the fact that they've been, you know, basically with one playoff appearance this century is remarkable. I mean, it really is. That given, you know, how many opportunities they've had to. To improve that team, that that's that's probably the only big market that the NBA wishes was yeah, going in a different direction. Otherwise, it's just about functional franchises and and star players. That's really what drives ratings and and drives everything in the NBA.
2: Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated with us, your NBA Daily Assist, Chris. What can we read into that players are going to get paid their full paychecks on the fifteenth?
1: Well,
3: it's more that you know they, they couldn't come to an agreement on. Exactly what would be docked from from their their paycheck, so it just was sort of kicking the can down the road a little bit. I, I think come May first, um, there, there will be some garnishment going on there, just a matter of percentages. You know, if it's fifteen percent, twenty five percent, they're negotiating that right now. The NBA Players Union and, and the NBA, so it, it's coming no matter what. And my players know it too. I've talked to a few of them. Dudley even brought it up on my podcast uh, this week. I mean, they're they're very much aware that that is coming. And there's not going to be a huge fight, I think, over it uh, because they know the fiscal realities of the league right now. I mean, the NBA is still getting the television revenue, but that TV revenue, even though it's a massive chunk of the BRI, it's only about 33% of the BRI. So there's a lot of revenue not coming in, and you really can't expect owners to, to keep putting that money out, not when they have the option through that force majeure clause to, uh, uh,
0: to, to cut it off. As you've had a chance now to let what you've seen over the first uh, 60-plus games in the NBA, Chris, is anything standing out to you as being particularly surprising or something that you didn't see coming or something particularly profound about the performances that took place?
3: No, I mean, I, I think you keep it centrally located on the Lakers and LeBron James in terms of overall surprises. I mean, I... The Lakers had eight new players coming into this year, and even if they had another superstar there, at Anthony Davis, I never expect them to be as as good as they've been and lockstep with each other, you know, right from day one. One thing Dudley told me this week was that, you know, he's been on I think like eight or nine teams. You know, he said this is the best chemistry that he's been involved with with any team, and that's that's really surprising. And the fact that LeBron, who missed what twenty seven games last year with injuries, looked mortal really for the first time in his basketball career that he has played at at a close to MVP level is, is really remarkable. So, you know, you hope that this season get restarted because you like to see if the Lakers could start what they finished, uh, could finish what they started rather. And, you know, you have to factor this in. I mean, you know, you never know what can happen in the years to come, whether it's with the team individually or, uh, or the other teams around them. I mean, we could be looking at the, LeBron's last chance to win a championship. I know we've said that so many times over the years, but you know, there's going to be 36 in next season, and, you know, other teams around him are going to get better. So you just, you just never know uh, what you're going to see in the future. So I'd, I'd just like to see if the Lakers could, could find a way to, to finish all this off.
2: Chris Mannix with us from Sports Illustrated. And, Chris, there's been some buzz about uh, the NBA draft and when to have it and those sorts of things over over the last week. There were even some rules about what you could do scouting-wise and what you couldn't do. Let me ask you this. If you were giving advice to, let's say, a sophomore or, or a junior wanting to test the waters in the NBA, would this be a good year or a bad year to do it given those or given what's going on?
3: You know, it's a good question, and I've asked different executives – uh, that I would say it's probably uh, a bad year to do it, you know, just because if you have any look, if you're a top-tier guy, you can come out, of course. But if you're like a, you know, a, a questionable first-round pick, um, you know, it might not be the, the best year to come out because there's a lot of uncertainty, and I, I think you know NBA teams might be, uh, will be more inclined to look at the the sure things that are out there. All that being said, you know. If you don't know, look. I understand the NCAA tournament being lost hurts because that would have been an opportunity for, you know, executives and scouts to see guys play on a big stage. So maybe you have like a a Steph Curry type of breakout performance in the tournament that elevates his game. But most of these guys, you've got thirty games of tape on them. You, you don't need. The draft combine I mean the draft combine is is I find to be rather useless, I mean, I really do i mean you you got most of these executives just kind of like you know talking to agents about free agency and things like that. I mean the combine i just don't i don't think it's it's as useful as as it portends to be um so I think this is still regardless of when they hold the draft I don't think teams should feel like they're being shortchanged something by not having a combine or not having as much individual, you know, hands-on type of time with players. I mean, you've got plenty of tape on these guys. There's no such thing as an anonymous player anymore, whether it's in the U.S. or abroad. So I just – I think that, that, you know, teams should be – the good teams are going to be fully prepared
0: to draft um, at the highest of levels. And if they're not, it's it's really their own fault. So, Chris, I have two questions for you. This is completely out of left field, but the first one – is I need you to settle an argument I'm having with uh, with Jake. If you were going to start an NBA team and you were had to pick a point guard from all t- players of all generations, which point guard would you pick? Players
3: of all generations, which point guard would I pick? Probably Magic Johnson. Okay. Um, versatility above all, I mean especially in today's game where you love guys that play. I mean, I can remember when I started covering basketball, the word tweener was like a four letter word. You didn't want to draft guys that didn't have a specific position. Nowadays it's like the most valuable thing in the NBA. So given Magic's marvelous talents as a point guard, the fact that, you know, I I believe in like the playoffs he's suited up in like every position but including center. I think he took an opening tip once in the playoff game. Um So given all those factors, I'd have to take Magic.
2: So my argument, Chris, is if you're you're going going to call Magic Johnson a point guard, which I'm fine with, then you must also call LeBron James a point guard, and I would take LeBron James over Magic Johnson.
3: Well, I mean, in that context, sure. But, you know, Magic Johnson, every single game, played the point guard position. I mean, LeBron, I mean, I understand that he didn't have – traditional great point guards around him for much if at all of his career and he was a primary facilitator for most of his career but you know look I I have a story coming up this week on on the Lakers season and you know one thing that that Frank Vogel talked to me about you know back before all this shut down was you know in, in September October he had a sit down with LeBron about two and a half hours and one of the key talking points was playing point guard. Like Frank wanted him to be a primary ball handler. And LeBron resisted. Like he, he didn't want to, to be that guy because he didn't, he felt like it took away something from him, felt like it took too much energy from him. Um, so he's never really wanted uh, that distinction or to, be, to play that position full time. Whereas Magic, you know, he has. He, he came out of Michigan State as a point guard and was a point guard for his entire NBA career. So uh, I just have to make that distinction there.
0: Fair Thank enough. you, Chris. Thank you. I, I'll send you a check. Thank you for the, the proper <laughs> answer. I do. And my second question is this. Of all the fighters you've ever seen, whether it's on old black and white reels or on video or in with your own eyes live in front of you, who is the best fighter you ever saw?
3: The best fighter I ever saw was a... And look, my my 70s boxing knowledge is limited to what I've seen occasionally on YouTube, so I I say this with due respect to Muhammad Ali, but it was prime Roy Jones. I mean, prime Roy Jones was just insanely good. I've never seen any fighter with that combination of reflexes and power. I mean, it, it, Roy Jones fought opponents, and it was like he was fighting them in slow motion i mean he would just have the ability to pull away from their punches and respond with vicious power shots of his own in in ways i've i've never i've never seen before i mean he you know a lot of people that that listen now might only remember roy as you know a guy that was getting knocked out you know in the last 10 years like just a shell of his former self but you know watch roy jones fights in the 1990s and early 2000s he was nothing short of remarkable he was he was really special. So that—that's someone I kind of grew up watching. You know, it was Roy, it was Mike Tyson, it was Austin De La Hoya, um, and that's the one that sticks out to me.
0: You would put that. You would put that, Chris, over what you've seen out of Sugar Ray Robinson and the old timers, uh, or have you? Is the sample size too small? It just—it's just too small. I mean, I've—I've I've seen
3: a little of the tape of Sugar Ray Robinson and. One thing I respect about Sugar Ray Robinson is that, you know, in today's boxing age, one of the reasons boxing is just stuck on the fringes is because fighters won't fight, you know, frequently and consistently enough at a high level. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson had 19 losses on his resume, and it's remarkable—19 losses—and he's still considered arguably the greatest fighter of all time. I mean, he fought Jake LaMotta like six times, like I think he fought him like three times in a month. During one stretch, I mean, this guy was doing some things in boxing that 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 we never see in today's day and age. So, I I I I guess that's another one that I just I haven't seen enough. I mean, I I consider him um, maybe the greatest of all time, but of the ones that I've watched, I mean, Roy. I mean, there's just so much footage and and so much to see. Like he was just special.
2: Chris, as always, thank you very very much for joining us. Always a highlight of our week. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Jake, have you ever gone back and watched some of those old fights? Is that of interest to you at all, or is that just sort of bygone era? You're not going to bother with it? Does uh, watching uh, Raging Bull count? <laughs> Jake LaMotta, right?
2: That that uh, Yeah, that movie was about him, correct. Mm-hmm. Mm. So no? Right. You're saying no?
0: Uh, I... I... <laughs> Something tells me there may be some dramatization in that movie beyond, you know, reality. I
2: know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend. (laughs) I had a speed bag when I was a kid. (laughs) I love that all I got out over the weekend. Bam. Speed bag as a kid. No, it was like a dash in a sentence. I know we you don't were, talk a lot of boxing on this show, but over the weekend... <laughs> I had a speed bag when it. I was a kid. That's it. Don't can't, no, no, Don't no, get to the story. No, you no, just no, mention no. the word boxing.
0: Cult no. with your and stories. And I have to go no. into
2: my, my speed bag that as a kid. It was a
0: parenthetical clause is all. It's, 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 okay, continue on. You did take a breath, a- Jake. <laughs>
2: That's my fault. You're right, Austin.
0: It, it That
2: one's on me. It's all get good. to the point, will you? Come on. It's on me. It's, it's all my fault. Yep. <laughs> all right. Stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show. I, I thought uh, Chris hit on something interesting. Actually, a few things interesting. We'll get to that as we talk some NBA coming up around the corner. Also, uh, at 4.50, we have the Not Sports Report. And then at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, Ryan McDonald from the Deseret News. He covers the jazz amongst other things. We'll get his thoughts on, on basketball and what's going on around uh, – the state of Utah. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks. Home to the complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Man, so important to how business is done now. If you're a local business out there and you found this t- uh, frustrating with all your employees working from home, find out what Syringa can do for you. They are extremely valuable. In uh, today's day and age, there's uh, there's certainly no doubt about it. Uh, Gordon, uh, Chris, echoing I think what a lot of us think, talking about the Rudy and Donovan situation that and and he did he had some reporting on this a few weeks ago about uh, the relationship and it being a bit strained. But Chris has been consistent in his message, and I agree with him. Give it time. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge. No, neither one of them is going to leave money on the table if the Jazz offer you know big time contracts. Neither one of them's going to turn up their nose at it, so they really just need to figure out a way to coexist as teammates and then build from there.
0: Yeah, I'm not a psychologist, but it seems to me like it can't be brushed under the rug. It needs to be solved. It needs to be talked about and needs to be understood so that you can move forward in a productive way. I think the idea of pretending it never happened or to minimize it is a mistake.
2: Yeah, I, I i would agree. You can't ignore it, but it, but it's how you handle it, right? Because I think part of the issue with this is uh, stems back before, of course, the the outbreak of COVID nineteen. You know, they. I realize at this point that they need to to quash some of the stuff that's out there by handling it publicly, but it really needs to be internally. I I do. I think Rudy made a big mistake going to the media nine games in. That was not. That was not the best way to handle a situation. I, I sympathize with his feelings. I sympathize that he wants to maximize his value. I sympathize with him that he wants to make as much money as he can while he can. I, I get that pressure. But I think the Jazz, Rudy and Donovan, need to be smart about how they deal with this. And I don't think that that's going right to your boy, Andy B. Larson.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, if you can solve things as much as i like information to be known to people so they can know the truth about what's going on in a team setting if you're concerned about the performance of a team obviously you would want to solve a problem it's like jake if any of us had a problem we would between you and a different individual let's say you get mad at austin do you want to? You don't want to broadcast that to the to the to the world. You'd rather talk to him and get that worked out between the two of you, right? Yeah, but I,
2: yes, but there's a way to go about it. Like, okay, so Rudy's not happy. Rudy's not happy with his role in the offense, and he'd like to play a bigger role. There's no, there's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, I'm working with my teammates on how to maximize my offensive capabilities." You're telling the truth, but you're not throwing folks under the bus.
0: No, I get that. But I also understand that if you're Rudy Gobert or any big man that works his butt off to 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 create opportunities for himself and then the ball doesn't show up, you can understand why that might be frustrating.
2: Yeah, but how do you express that? Yeah, and what's appropriate, and what's appropriate, and and you and I, um, and and everybody out there, uh, have the luxury we can handle you know things internally in our disputes, and and there's not a a designated reporter from every newspaper in town and every radio, you know, sports radio station and TV station who are constantly asking questions. You know, you can you have the flexibility to deal with your dirty laundry without having to answer questions about it every day, yeah. And and Uh these guys operate in a different world where they have to. To deal with their dirty laundry, and they have to ask answer questions about everything under the sun. Whatever you, me, Austin, uh, Adam Mikulich decide to ask them about uh, that particular day, they have to field those questions. It's a it's a different circumstance, and it does require. You to be a little strategic, and when I say you, I mean the franchise, the players. But I, I agree with you, Gordon. I, I don't think it's a re- it calls for dishonesty, but I think you do have to take in consideration the feelings of others before you just shoot off your big bazoo. Uh,
0: ideally, yeah. What would you do though, Jake, if you were dependent on other people getting you the ball, just the way that you are as a as a basketball player? And you expressed it to your teammates, and they still didn't get you the ball when you felt like you should get it. What, what would you do? Would you just swallow it, or at some point would you speak about it?
2: I wouldn't try to use public sentiment to manipulate things to get my way.
0: Under any condition?
2: I don't know about any condition. Nine games in, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable about that. <laughs> feel pretty okay. comfortable with that opinion nine games into the season, yeah.
0: Well, obviously, it's best to uh, get your problems taken because care of. Because that's what you're talking about, though, right,
2: is manipulation. I mean, you may you may call it honesty, and that's fine, because I suppose it's how he honestly feels. But what he's trying to do is manipulate his teammates into giving him the ball through public pressure, and I don't think that's the appropriate way to get what he wants. But and I don't already, know what, what he communicated what if, to them before he went to what the if media he, either. What
0: if he, again, we don't know. But what if the communication had been tried and tried and tried? Try and, again. Uh... <laughs> Try again. Call Dennis Lindsay. Call Gail. I
2: don't know. But but going to the media and trying to manipulate public pressure to get your teammates to, to bend to your wheel, will doesn't seem like a very. Mm...
0: Yeah, but Jake, we go into the locker room after a game and we say, Rudy, how you feeling? What's going on? You know, what? To, how do you feel about the way the team played tonight, the way you played? Well, this is related to that in his mind. Except for and that's so not how it
2: happened. He sought out a reporter from the <laughs> Trib <laughs> and okay. gave an exclusive you know interview with the okay. purpose
0: of but, calling out his teammates. That's, all right. But you, you've seen it. Uh, maybe not specific to this case, but you can see why a guy might, might let it let it boil over okay but i I can understand that
2: and we said this at the time though there's a difference between saying hey my teammates need to give better effort out there i don't feel like we're trying very hard and i think we need to try hard on defense and we need to play hard because one you're including yourself with the we conversation two Mm -hmm. you're talking about something that is for the betterment of everybody when you call out your team saying I don't get the ball enough and they need to give the ball to me, you're not making it about the team. You're making it about yourself.
0: Well, look, I'm not. I'm not uh, condoning the way Rudy did that, but I am. I can understand some of the frustration that might be boiling up in him uh, when he's not getting the ball when he thinks he's open. I can see that with a wide receiver too. If he's open, he's done his job. Get him the freaking ball, right? I understand I get it. I get what's going on. Is it the best way to do it? No. But I understand why it might, you know, it might boil over.
2: No, okay. Is that what's best for the team?
0: Cuz that's what uh, you're supposed to be thinking about. And well, and is Rudy I mean, getting know, is
2: Rudy getting twenty shots a game? What's best for the team? Because I certainly but, but, would argue no,
0: no. But but when he's open and and the other guys are struggling to score, maybe there's room for that. Uh, it's not the methodology, and that's what you're saying, and I understand that. But I, I also get that a player sometimes can be frustrated, and it's not merely a matter of selfishness. Maybe he thinks maybe he thinks that hey this is what's best for the team. Of
2: course he does. Of course he thinks that. But it's that's that's not his judgment to make. Well, no, that's Quinn Snyder's judgment to make. That's not Rudy's
0: judgment to make. Yeah, maybe. But these are if if Quinn's got a problem with it, then
2: that's the opinion that matters. uh, Rudy's looking at it through his own lens, which I get. And you're right, I can be sympathetic to. But that's not his decision to make.
0: Yeah, it kind of is a little bit. I, I don't think he's as detached from that as you're making it sound.
2: I think Quinn Snyder's opinion on what's best for the team is the only opinion that matters. Because of course, all those guys think if they shoot twenty times a game, it's going to be better for the team. This isn't
0: Jake. This is of course they do. basketball. This is professional basketball where the players themselves have power too. Do
2: you remember that joke that Joe Ingles played on a on a young teammate that was trying to make the league? And he he mentioned this on the Zach Lowe podcast where Joe went up to him and said, man, these guys are really screwing you over. If they just gave you the ball more, you'd not only be on the team, but you'd be making a fortune. And he was just putting the guy on. But the guy believed it. Hook, line, and seeker. He's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're screwing me over. They're not giving me the ball. I could do what's best for the team. Of course I want to shoot the ball 15 times. That's
0: how they all feel. Yeah. I... I... (laughs) But sometimes they're right. I
2: don't think Rudy's right in this case.
0: Well, I, I, again, it's and, not the way I would have preferred to see if I if it were my team, I wouldn't want it happening that way. But it, his his opinion is pretty important since he's one of your two best players.
2: Okay, but his opinion, Quinn Snyder's the his opinion's the one that matters?
0: And think about think about Carmelo. Malone. Carmelo Malone used to used to complain publicly we saw that happen time and time again, and and you know, I mean, was it perfect? No, but he, sometimes he had a point. Not always, but sometimes and, he did.
2: And Larry Miller, as you know, was very consistent with his approach to all of that. And that was—it's Jerry's opinion that matters.
0: Oh, I, I see. I, I don't. That's not the way I remember it. I, I think Carl was important enough to the success of the Utah Jazz to, to listen to what he had to say. Nobody's talking uh, about saying, listening.
2: I'm talking about who's running the show.
0: Well, obviously the coach ultimately has a right. say. Right, and it, and
2: it, if Quinn would have agreed with Rudy nine games in, don't you think he would have done something about it?
0: Uh, well, maybe he maybe he was doing something. Maybe he was trying to talk guys to do that too. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't know what the situation was. But when a guy has something to say and it's an important part of your team. Uh, and and he feels like he's not being listened to, I can understand his frustration. That's what I'm saying. Is it is it the perfect way to go about your business? No, but but I get it.
2: All right, we'll have uh, the Not Sports Report coming up on the other side. Ryan McDonald from the Des News joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280
1: The Zone. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975, 1280 the zone. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340 zone and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by David and Pat this morning at 850. Then you'll win a zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. All right, Gordo, it's time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Where are we going today?
0: I got a couple things. The first one is this, Jake. It's from North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Apparently a tornado destroyed a hog farm there in North Carolina. And uh, I guess pigs can fly.
2: Okay. Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. Thank you for that, Gordon.
0: Then there's this out of Greenville, Mississippi, all right? Churchgoers there uh, decided they were going to go to a church service on Easter Sunday that was a drive-in. So you stayed in your car, and then the preachment came via a radio signal into your car. Mm -hmm. So you were... You were contained inside your car, and police still ticketed each individual who was—apparently the radio signal went out about a block around the church, and so you could come in and and park somewhere and hear the message and stay in your car, which sounds kind of safe, I guess, but they were ticketed nonetheless, each individual, $500— for attending the drive-in church service. Now, I get it, these guys who are holding church services and telling people to load into a church. I mean, that just seems insane to me. But in the case of staying in your car, do you think that that should be uh, a problem? $500 worth, of, including, well, one man said that uh, he and his wife were in, in their car, and they got taken, each of them, Got a ticket for $500, so it costs that family $1,000 for staying in their car. What do you think of that?
2: Uh, I find it ludicrous, but I'm certainly not surprised.
0: Are you? I thought I'd seen everything when pigs flew, but here was this. Are you
2: surprised, Gordon?
0: I'm really I'm really disappointed in Jake's reaction to that little joke I made. Why? <laughs> it was the, uh, I thought, I, it was the worst. I thought, I thought it was pretty clever. You no. didn't say I got no reaction. It was like Jake wasn't even listening.
2: I was just letting it breathe, Gordon. You should have just, seen him with the stress ball. Yeah, just letting it breathe. That's all. <laughs> I'm going to let you go down that road alone. The stress ball is in half now. I don't, yeah.
0: Pigs fly? <laughs> oh, no, stupid. Uh, the police uh. started The police started coming up, according to this one uh, church, drive-in church uh, attendee. Uh, well, we think we're in our rights, and they started issuing these $500 tickets. It may have been 50 of them. Everybody got one. It wasn't per car. Me and my wife were both in the car together, and both of us got tickets. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the rules. I don't make the rules, but uh, I thought that was interesting that you couldn't even sit in your car is that the way it is in some communities where uh, i guess that would be a stay-at-home directive and if you're not at home then you're you're liable to get a ticket
2: it's that way in our community whether they choose to enforce it or not i guess is a different discussion but in salt lake county anyway
0: so you're not supposed to drive in your car anywhere
2: well, uh, what's the the official directive? I don't want to get entirely into Not. something that I don't have in front of me, but it's it's about only going someplace necessary. And, you know, the good folks of uh, Salt Lake County are saying they're issuing warnings and they're only going to ticket repeat offenders. But if you go by the letter of the law, yeah, they could do that.
1: Hmm. Well,
2: I what's to another- stop
1: someone who gets pulled over from saying, oh, I'm headed to work? And well, they say
2: where do you work, and you make something up. In places like California, you have to have official paper yeah. that says that you uh, are to be out of your house to go to work.
0: Do you think people who are uh, dr- going to that drive-in church service? Do you think they were hiding people in their trunks? Get in.
2: <laughs> Wait to get in where? I thought they. I thought you just were sitting in your car.
0: It was a joke, Jake. It oh, was like, I'm, I'm know, missing it. But people used to sneak people into the drive-in theater. This is twice now.
2: That is a huge stretch. What are you... I was supposed to pick up on that, that back in the 20s, people used to sneak people into the drive-in in their trunks? <laughs> in the I mean, 20s. Not one person yeah, back in the Model picked up T, uh, on that.
1: I thought it was a border joke I, myself. I had but.
2: no idea. I thought it was pretty inappropriate, actually. I agree
1: what
0: people used to sneak into the drive-in theaters come on guys who knew that
1: what they save? two cents
0: <laughs> one time i was in a drive-in theater and somebody pulled out and they, they left the speaker in their window and it was just i mean I, that's a cliche but i saw it happen with my own eyes drive-ins not, you don't see many drive-ins anymore that used to be an infamous place to go you know kind of a place Chester would go, you know to you know, a little of that,
2: hey, y'all, I saved a hay penny by sneaking in in <laughs> Jethro's trunk <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go out and get some penny candies tonight and then play kick the can later. Who knew that you were talking about <laughs> smuggling somebody into a drive-in in a trunk. Nobody out there got that, and you're criticizing me. Oh, come me. on.
0: Nobody. say yes, did. You didn't even get the pigs flying joke. I just didn't want to acknowledge the pigs flying joke. Uh, a, a tornado hits a hog farm? Come on. That's pretty funny. I'm worried about the hogs, frankly. I'm worried oh, about they're the they're poor th- farmer
2: in these tough economic times. The, <laughs> <who? laughs>
0: the hogs are just, the hogs are headed to the, ask Scotty about this. His dad had a pig farm.
1: Those I don't like my bacon whipped. Gordon, I like it cooked. All right.
0: <laughs> and I think I see this story that Americans apparently are excessively eating, drinking, smoking pot, and playing video games during, while being quarantined. Good. At least they are watching inappropriate things on TV, too, apparently. I don't, this, is, this is a report out of Forbes magazine, too.
2: So first off, people are going to uh, judge people for not staying home and then they're gonna <laughs> criticize what they do when they stay there. <laughs> I'm sorry, thanks for staying home, but your behavior's still not good enough.
0: <laughs> Can't believe you didn't get the pigs Doesn't that
2: frustrate you though that whole mentality like... Stay home, stay home, stay home. And if you don't stay home, we're going to judge you. But now that you're staying home, what you're doing while you're staying home, we don't approve that either. Still got to obey the law at home, Jake. So if you're staying home and doing anything but reading the Bible, we're coming for you. (laughs)
0: Man, you read the uh, you know, songs of Solomon, and that's pretty provocative stuff, too.
2: The only, the only approved liquid refreshment during this whole thing, YooHoo. That's it. <laughs> it's YooHoo, the Wizard of Oz, and vegetables. Anything what? else? You know what? what? We're coming for it. And you. non-starchy vegetables. No, that. And, yeah, thank you. So only What's... vegetables that are good for your digestive system. That's it
0: what's you what's in there what what is that like you orange soda or something what's you it's chocolate milk man how can oh, you it? how can you say there, or expect <laughs> us to understand
2: somebody snuck into a drive-in in a trunk that that used to be a thing and then go what
0: is you who <laughs> it's sneaked in by the way it's not snuck in well, uh, at least i know what you is <laughs> and i'm not from the chesapeake bay area where it's prevalent Yoo-hoo. I'm so frustrated really? with everything about this segment. You hoo is, is like moo juice? It's, 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 it's in it's, milk? Yeah, it's a chocolate milk drink. Yeah. Yoo-hoo. Okay. I think they have other flavors, too. But.
2: All right, stay tuned. Ryan McDonald's going to join us <laughs> from the Des News. Pink's, coming up next.
0: line flying. I mean, a tornado hits a hog farm. 97.5 on. and
2: 1280 The Zone.